0: To many people, the kindness of God and the wrath of God seem like irreconcilable opposites, as likely to go together as oil and water. They seem much more like alternatives, right? Either you believe in a God of kindness and love, or you believe in a God of wrath and judgment, But who would choose to believe in a God of wrath when you could choose to believe in a God of love? And why would you believe in both? That is the kind of confusion that reigns among those who have either not read the Bible or who have read it but have not understood it or who have read it and understood it but have not believed it. Everywhere in Scripture... We see both the kindness of God and the judgment of God. In the Garden of Eden, we see His kindness in providing a garden paradise for Adam and Eve to dwell in. And we see His judgment when He cast them out of that garden because of their sin. In Israel's journey through the wilderness, we see God's kindness in His daily provision of manna for 40 years day after day, month after month, year after year. And we see his judgment in the death of almost an entire generation in the wilderness because they refused to believe God's promise. When God revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 32 and 33 and 34, God showed more than his kindness when he told Moses that he was a God of Grace and mercy and love and faithfulness. A God who forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. A God who is slow to anger. But he also reminded us that he's a God of judgment when he says, but he will by no means clear the guilty. So when we come to Romans chapter 2, which is our text this morning, Romans 2, 4, and 5 in particular, we see that the Apostle Paul, when he talks about the kindness and the wrath of God, he is being faithful, not only to the rest of Scripture, but also to God's revelation of himself, of his own character, to Moses. Paul even shows us what may be, to some of us at least, a surprising connection between the kindness of God And the day of judgment. So let's look together at Romans chapter 2. We'll be focusing this morning on verses 4 and 5, but I'll read beginning in verse 1, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So Paul in these couple of verses that we're focusing on this morning is talking about the kindness of God. And what's significant about that just off off uh, at the beginning is that he's talking about the kindness of God to a person who does not think he needs God's kindness or mercy. Remember, what's going on in this part of the chapter is, uh, Paul has just said in Romans chapter 1, he's just declared that all men are under the wrath of God. God's wrath has been revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and righteousness of men, unrighteousness of men. And Paul uh, proceeded to talk about how mankind as a whole, we have... Turned our backs on God, our creator, and have given ourselves to created things. That's the essence of idolatry, right? That we have chosen things God made, people, animals, possessions, whatever. We've chosen things God made over God himself. And as a result, God has given humanity up to all kinds of sin. There's a litany of sins that Paul uh, lists for us in Romans chapter 1. But when he gets to Romans chapter 2, Paul turns his attention to the people he knows will be listening to this letter, who as they hear Romans 1, do not hear anything about themselves, but are thinking, that's exactly right, Paul. You tell them. You tell those sinners out there how much trouble they're in. You tell them that they deserve the wrath of God. You tell them that the way that they're living is wrong. I'm on your side. You, you and me, we're, we're the good guys. And Paul turns his attention to that person and says, you think you're getting out of this? You you think you're off the hook? You think you're one of the good guys? You who are judging other people, you're condemning other people, pointing the finger at other people, and yet, you are guilty of the same kinds of sin. Maybe not to the same degree. Maybe not as publicly Maybe not the exact same sin as the people you prefer to point your fingers at, but you are not guiltless either. And Paul has in mind here probably uh, either Jews who see mainly Gentiles in Romans chapter 1, and they say, yeah, we've got the law, we're God's chosen people, we do what God wants us to do, and because we're our children of Abraham... We're okay, but those Gentiles, man, they're, they're in a mess. Or he could be thinking also of a certain Gentiles who were quite moral and who saw in the immorality of their own people... Things that were wrong and that God should judge. And they would say, yeah, you're right. You're talking about them. You're not talking about me, but I've been talking about them too. They are doing the wrong thing. Or, Or perhaps both, right? Moral people, religious people, either one or both. People who see themselves as the good guys on God's side, basically doing the right thing, pointing their fingers at other people. Paul says, you're guilty too. There's no, he's going to say in chapter 3, there's no one who's righteous, there's no one who does good, there's no one who seeks God. Jesus is the only sinless person who's ever walked this earth, and that was because he was God. All the rest of us are sinners, even if we don't sin as publicly, or we might say as, as, um, as badly as, you might say as some of the others, all of us are guilty of sin and therefore Paul says in, in chapter in verse three, do you suppose, oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God. You point your finger at people for sinning and you're a sinner, you think God's going to let you off the hook? How how do you think you're going to escape? And so Paul is continuing that argument in verses 4 and 5 that we're focusing on this morning. Verse 4 he says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? In other words, God is being very kind to you. Jewish person, moral person, religious person, God is exercising abundant kindness and patience and forbearance towards you. How does God show his kindness to a hypocritical religious person? How does God show his kindness to anyone? Well, one example is what Jesus talks about in Matthew 5, 45, where he says God makes... His son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Who deserves rain? Who deserves sunshine? Nobody. God owes us nothing. All of us are rebels. The wages of sin is death. None of us deserve any good thing from God. And yet, Jesus says, God causes the sun to rain, uh, to sun, the sun to rise on people who trust God and love God and have turned to him and people who don't who are still in their sin he causes rain to fall on people who shake their fist at God and who people who have come to God with broken humble hearts confessing their sin he shows kindness to everyone and to the Jews in particular Paul talks about the special privileges that God has given to them in Romans 9 verses 4 and 5 he says They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. In other words, if you're a Jew, Paul's saying God has shown you incredible kindness. Read your own history, right? We could read the Old Testament. Do the Jews deserve half of what God gives them? No. He, he speaks to them from Mount Sinai, and what do they do? They make a golden calf and worship it. Uh, he feeds them with manna in the wilderness, and what do they do? They grumble and complain and talk about how bad they want to go back to Egypt. Uh, he, he sends them prophets, and they kill them. Uh, he, he sends people to speak to them and remind them of His word, His truth. They get mad at them. They persecute them. They have sinned. The Jewish people had sinful, rebellious hearts, just like everybody else, just